good morning church and a happy Martin Luther King Day at least tomorrow when it comes um, you know I just want to thank God for the ministry and the service of Dr. King because of his sacrifice uh, many of us have enjoyed a better life in these United States of America so take tomorrow off and um, you know take some time to maybe listen to one of his speeches and stuff I think I think that um, it'll find it inspiring especially in these crazy crazy times so um, it's always great to be with you again and we're in week three of 2021 and I don't know how 2021 is going for you guys um, for some of you like 2021 is great for some of you guys uh, 2021 uh, not so good you know, and maybe some challenges that you have or you know, like in a little bit of a mess or maybe you just got some bad news. And and somehow 2021 is like starting out worse than 2020 ended. And and if that's you, guess what? I have some good news for you. You picked the right day to come to tune into Pioneer Community Church online because today's message would be just for you. And so, you know, before we get started, you know, I want to check in on our broad community and, and see how you're doing on your New Year's resolutions and how are those coming along. And, you know, if you're sticking to them, if you're sticking to them, great. Um, and for some people, you know, it's, you find it hard to stick to it because you're, you're thinking, man, I got to do this thing for the whole year. I, I, I got to get up every morning and go to the gym and all that. And so I have a suggestion for you. Don't think about it as a whole year. Think about it like for 21 days. For 21 days, I'm going to go to the gym. For 21 days, I'm going to eat my veggies. And there's somebody I know I'm looking at right now. I'm staring right at you. That you don't like your broccoli. You don't like your green stuff. And 21 days, try it. And, and, um, and, and, and the reason why I say that is that sometimes we don't do a habit of something because our time horizon is too long. And for me, I found it out. There were some habits that I had that I wanted to stop. And I couldn't stop. One of them was I had a bad addiction to this this bread called hard oat bread. Back in 2018, you'd hear me talk about that a lot of times. And and for 21 days, I said, you know what? I'm going to stop eating that. And I cut out all that white starch bread, and and I got rid of it. And and I I didn't eat it for the rest of that year. And this is what three years. And in three years, I probably had 10 slices of that bread. And because I'd formed a new habit. And it was the same thing with intermittent fasting. I used to eat, you know, I have to eat breakfast, three meals a day. And I have a personal pharmacist, my own personal pharmacist. And um, my personal healthcare advocate. And she, she told me that, hey, intermittent fasting works healthy for you. So now I only eat within a six-hour window, usually between 12 and 6. And, and um. And all these habits kind of got started with the same common thing. That was in 21 days of prayer and fasting. And if you're new to PCC or, or you've missed the past couple of weeks, um, just catch you up. We've been going through this period of prayer and fasting. Every year we start off with it. And so we're now on day 15. And if you just join, it's not too late to get in. Just join in with us. And so it works like this. We invite the church to pray for two things. One is personal, one is corporate. On the personal side, just think about a miracle you need in your life. That's something that you need God to show up for. That you need a God-sized intervention in. Um, something that you're burdened about, maybe a family member, it could be about your job, 
could be a major decision, could be about a relationship, could be an addiction in your life, could be something that you want to stop doing, something you want to start doing. And then for 21 days, you just have some really focused prayer around that big thing that you're burdened for, that you need God to show up in a miracle. And, and you know, maybe you can't think of like, like well, what's this big miracle? And maybe it's some habits that you need to give up. And so over the next 21 days, you pray that God will give you a miracle and give you some, some better habits. And, you know, some things that you start doing and some things that you stop doing. Maybe your issue is you have, you're very impatient around you and you get, you know, or maybe you have an anger issue or maybe even a hygiene issue. And if you still can't think of anything, just ask, you know, a spouse or a parent, you know, or, or a good friend. They'll tell you if they're a good friend. Um, they'll tell you. So that's the first thing, pray for a miracle. The second thing is to pray for PCC. Uh, you know, we have some big decisions that we need to make as a church and just pray for guidance and for the leaders of the church. And so we want you to accompany that prayer also, those prayers with fasting. Um, you don't have to do it for 21 days, but a portion of the 21 days uh, where you abstain from something your body craves, something you just like. And every time you feel that thing, you feel the urge for that thing, all you got to do is just pray. And, and, you know, when you do that, you will kind of make the body, starve the body a little bit, but you'll, your spirit, which is part that speaks to God, gets stronger. And Jesus himself said, you know, there are some things that only get accomplished through prayer and fasting. And, it's, and, and prayer is a massive key to a successful life and to a successful future and to a successful present that we thought would be a really great idea, a good idea to start off this year as well as every other year with, with prayer. And so not only when we started off, we wanted to talk about it because it's so good. And so we've been doing a series called The Thing That Changes Things. And in week one, we talked about a pattern of prayer. And, and last week, we talked about big, hairy, audacious prayers. This week, I want us to talk a little bit about effective prayers. And what's an effective prayer? It's really a prayer that works effectively, right? <laughs> it's kind of funny to say that. But um, God hears every prayer. But, but I believe, and we're going to talk about it today, that there are some prayers that are just more effective than others. Before we go any further, let's just pray. Father, I, I ask that you um, just speak through me lord that folks out there will recognize that you are a working god and you want to talk and you want us to talk back and lord you have great things in store for us so lord teach us how to pray like how the disciples asked through these series of messages in jesus name amen Today I want to start out by reading some um, excerpts from a pastor of scripture and just let you know today is going to be a big, big Bible reading day, but I think you're going to find some good stuff in here. The first passage I want to read, it's found in James chapter five. James, is, as some of you may know, is a half brother of Jesus. And, uh, you know, James didn't believe his brother was God, even though his brother was doing all kinds of miracles, because who would believe their brother is God? until after Jesus raised from the dead, if he can do that, you know, I'm going to trust him. Anyway, James says in James 5, 13, he says, 
Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Well, let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone of you among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayers offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Verse 17, and read a little bit of sequence here. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. Yet, he prayed earnestly, prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. And again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and its earth produced crops. And back to verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. And I like this part because the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Have you ever wondered if there are some prayers that are, are some technique of praying that God just answers the most that God seems to answer? I mean, is there like a, a way to get more results out of our prayers? Results like, like James says, that when you're in trouble, you can pray and you'll get out of trouble. Or when someone in the family is sick, you can pray or somebody, or they, you know, somebody can pray and, and they can be healed. Or when you're in a situation and there is no way out, you pray and God will provide a miracle. I just kind of wondered if there's like, like, like some technique where God like moves mountains, you know? And you see, God is not a genie God. Last week, two weeks ago, he was a Santa Claus God. You got a new analogy. He's not a genie God. He, he doesn't just grant stuff because we ask. And I know we all wish sometimes. I know I wish that God was a genie God. I could just pray a little, get out and rub my, rub my Bible. And there'd be like a puff of smoke and God would pop out. And, and he, you know, I, preferably in some kind of miraculous, you know, visible way, God would show up. And I was like, God, I pray for, which simply means I wish for. And, and our prayers and wishes would be like answered, like poof. And it would be better than a genie because we, only, we wouldn't only get three wishes. But God is not a genie God. God is a good God and he's a good, good father. And so God can see into the future and he knows every single what if scenario. What if I gave Gary this? Here's what would happen. What if I didn't give Gary this? What, would what if I gave Gary something else? What would he knows everything. So, so because he knows that, sometimes we don't get what we want because he's not a genie God. He's a good, good father. But I firmly believe that we walk around with far too many unmet needs and far too many unanswered prayers 
are certainly more than we need to walk around with. And the fact is, we have a tool, it's called prayer. And this tool allows us to connect with God, but not just God, lowercase g, but the big case g, God that is omnipotent, which means all-powerful and omniscient. He's all-powerful and he's all-knowing. So prayer is a tool that we use to communicate with God. But just like any other tool, if you don't know how to use it effectively, you won't get the best results. Again, I'm not talking about formulas. I'm talking about patterns. But if you want more, if you want more effective prayers, better results from your prayers, you have to pray effectively. James says it like this in verse 16 of James 5. He said, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Another version says, the earnest prayer of a, great, of a righteous person has great power and it produces wonderful results. I, I don't know about you, and I, I guess this is, I say I don't know about you, I do know about you, that I know that you want to be able to pray in such a way that is so effective that it produces power. I, I know because I want to, to be able to pray in such a way that is so effective that it produces wonderful results like it says in James 5.16. And, and I, I got to admit, you know, I have a confession to make that I admire people who, who, I mean, I can admire some people who can pray. I'm like, man, if I, I mean, you know, everybody can pray, but I'm talking about people because, you know, if you just say like, God help, that's a prayer. It's like, God help, please help me. That's a prayer. But I mean, when I talk about people who can pray, you know, people that can pray, people who pray like so well that it seems like they can call down all of heaven's armies and they can, and they can call down all of heaven's angels to come take care of the problem or the situation. And, 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 and these prayers, I'm not talking about, you know, the, the ones that are like, oh, bless thee and thou art, you know, and these and those and you speak in a different tone of voice and you sound really spiritual and use big words that I can't understand. No, I'm not talking about that, man. I'm talking about prayers that and these people pray, your skin tingle and, and goosebump comes out. You know, those emotional kind of prayers that some people can do. If you've, if you've ever been around somebody who prays like that, you know what I'm talking about. Because whenever you're like praying with them they're, or, or they're praying over you or your situation, Somehow it just, it just seems to feel like God is listening to them um, more than he's listening to me. I mean, they know all the right words. They got all the right pauses in place. They, they, they got all the right emotions. And, and sometimes they, they'll pray over you and then they start busting out in, a, in another language that you don't know or you don't understand, but they're doing it. And you're like, you're like feeling like, oh man, they're praying in, with a heavenly language. They're praying in tongues over you. And, and you feel like heaven is just busting loose over, over your situation. And those are the people you want around you when you got a big problem because they can pray. I really admire people like that. 
They got all the feels. And it somehow it just feels like those people got more effective prayers than, than my prayers. Uh, my, 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 some, you know, some of them, my prayers, you know, I'm not a super emotional guy with, you know. But the question is, is that really the case? Does it really matter how you pray? Does it really matter the words that you use? And if not, what then really makes prayers effective? And I believe that in this passage that James wrote in chapter 5 of his book, James really tells us what makes prayer effective. He says here that prayer, and the first point is that effective prayer requires fervor. It requires intensity. It requires intentionality. It requires zeal. It requires passion. It requires earnestness. It requires sincerity. It requires something that you're feeling. Something that's, you know, you feel serious. Because the effective prayer comes from a heart of passion. And, and how does that show up? Well, it shows up in a number of ways. It, it shows up in the amount of time you spend in prayer around a specific item, for instance. You see, fervent prayers are not like one minute, God bless, please bless, I'm gone about my business, God give me kind of prayers. They're bathed in, in time. They're bathed in intensity. And they're bathed in feelings. And fervent prayer are sometimes are accompanied with fasting that you're so passionate about that thing, your issue, and that all you want to do is communicate with God in such a way that you're hearing clearly from him and fasting with focused prayer makes your spirit stronger so that your spirit and God's spirit can communicate more effectively. And the fact is, the fervent prayer of a righteous person is powerful. It's effective. And it produces great results. But another key component of effective prayers is that it requires faith. Effective prayer requires, and not just faith, it requires big faith. In James 5.15, he says this, and the prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well. The prayer offered in faith. And, 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 I, and I, you see, I think most people don't have a full concept of faith, Right? So, you know, some people's like, oh man, I'm trying to muster up the faith, you know, that I, you know, you're trying to muster it up. But faith is not blind. Faith is not ignoring the facts of the situation around you. Faith is saying, I see the facts. I see the facts. And faith is saying, the situation not only looks bleak, but the situation is bleak. Faith is saying, but I know 
<laughs> I believe that my God is able to do. I believe that my God is able to do exceedingly. I know that my God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly. I know that my God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above. I know that my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask. And I know that my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly all above all that I can ask or even think. See, faith is a hope that things will work out okay. But it's a hope that is not based on your current evidence. It's based on a historical knowledge. But on the current evidence, you don't see it. It's backed by all this historical evidence. But in your current situation, there is no evidence that you can see. But it results... That, that belief that God can do anything results in a belief that my God will supply all my needs. Because historically, he has met the needs of so many people in the past. He's met even some of mine, so why not mine today? Faith is a belief that God doesn't come, that, that, if, that if God doesn't come true in the way that I expect it, if he doesn't come true in the way that I expect it, Lord, I expect you to give me, you know, my mortgage payment today. It's a belief that if God doesn't come through in that way, that he is working out all things together for my good. And this faith, this effective faith that requires faith, um, it grows through spending time in the Bible. If you want your faith to grow because effective prayer requires faith, you need for it to grow. And, and, and so you got to spend time in the Bible. And Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So it comes from that. It comes from listening to sermons and, and listening and bathing yourself in his word because consuming the word of God builds our faith. And when our faith is built, it in turns make our prayers more effective. And the prayer offered in faith will make a six person well. But a third component of effective prayers is that it requires community. Effective prayers require community. You ever wonder why, like, people, nobody has it all? It's a fallacy. Somebody says, man, they had it all. No, they never have it all. Because usually when you hear people say that, man, he had it all. Next thing, you know, is like, I can't believe he would do that. He had it all. He didn't have it all. God never gives anyone everything. He created all of us with strengths. And he created all of us with weaknesses. And in order to be effective human beings, we have to rely on the strength of others to cover our weaknesses. And we have to lend others our strength so that we all, in turn, can be effective. And that same thing is true with effective prayers. 
Effective prayers are not only solo prayers. As a matter of fact, effective prayers, they require community. They require getting other people involved. Effective prayers may get involved getting your pastors involved. It may require you getting your church involved. It may require you getting your small group of people, a small group of people involved. It may require you getting one other person involved. But what it doesn't require you to do is for you to do it solo. And that's why it's so important that you become part of a church. And more important that you become part of a spiritual family. And more important for you to not only to become part of the fabric of that church, that you participate in the church's corporate prayer meetings. You, you, you get a group of passionate, earnest, fervent prayer warriors around you, praying, and oh man, you're praying, and you're praying for them, and they're praying for you. And that's why it's so important for you to meet regularly with a small group of Christians and let them get into your life and get into your struggles and let them in. And, so, and that's why it's so important to have an accountability partner. And this is why you can have somebody people or person you can be truly be real with a person in which you can take off all your masks even the mask you don't ever realize that you have on or the mask that you refuse to take it off they'll take it off for you you know as I thought about effective prayers and I, and I thought about examples of effective prayers in the Bible I thought about you know, so share with you an ex- and, a, and, and a prayer that produced exceptional, and if I dare say it, like miraculous results. Story that comes to mind of this one is found in Acts 12. And Luke, who's the writer, tells, tells her that the king at the time, a guy named King Herod, you know, he was getting concerned about the popularity of Jesus. But not only was he concerned about the popularity um, of Jesus, he was also concerned about the followers of Jesus. The followers of Jesus, right? He's like, oh, what are you doing? But not only was King Herod concerned, the religious leaders were also concerned. So, so Herod didn't want to kind of upset the kind of order of things. He's like, I got to shut these Christians up. So he started arresting some people. And some of those he arrested, he would execute. And when he started doing that, man, the religious leader loved it. And all the people who liked the status quo loved it. And he wanted to, he started doing that because he wanted to send a message. He wanted to send a warning to stop to the Christians that if you don't stop this Jesus movement, this whole killing thing is going to happen to you also. And so he had one of the 12 disciples arrested and publicly killed and, and when they were so happy that they did that, they decided that, that we're going to arrest the big dog. We're going to arrest Peter. And they put Peter in prison. And they put Peter in prison and they assigned 16 guards to Peter only. Four squads of four guards. Because they're like, man, we don't want Peter getting out. Peter getting out is a bad thing. But once they arrested Peter... <laughs> man, if it was today, it would be an email, it would be a text, it would be phone calls. Man, word got out to all the disciples everywhere, you know, or to the church that, man, Peter was in prison. And, 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 and the moment it went out, the church, the community, remember I say effective prayer required community? But the community began earnestly doing some fervent prayers for him. 
And and they didn't just do it, man. They did it for an extended period of time. They're like, they were like, man, and they were like having this prayer meeting. And they took the time. Remember I said the fervent prayer required time. They took the time and they were relentless in prayer. That community, they were doing push prayers. There's another acronym for you that you like. Uh, push stands for pray until something happens. In verse 5 of Acts 12, it says, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly, earnestly, fervently praying to God for him. And we don't know how long Peter was in prison before you know they were going to try him, but we don't know that the church kept praying for him. But Luke tells it, and it's probably, it's probably best if I tell the story from Luke's words. He said, that night Herod was going to bring Peter. The night before Herod was, was, was to bring Peter to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. <laughs> I think it's interesting that he's sleeping. He's going to go to trial the next day. He's probably going to get killed. He was bound with two chains, not the wrapper. He was bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light lit up the cell. The angel struck Peter on the side and woke him up. He said, so the angel came like this guy. Imagine that Peter is sleeping and somebody touches him. And he look, this guy's a big flashlight. He's like, quick, get up. It's Peter's chains and he got up. The chains fell off Peter's wrists. And the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And meanwhile, the guard is like sleeping. So Peter put on his clothes and his sandals. And, and Peter did so. The, 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 the angel said, uh, wrap up your cloak around you and follow me. And Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea what the angel was doing or what was really happening. Because Peter thought he was dreaming. He thought he was in a vision. Because, like, who does that happen to? He's in chains in prison. And the last, the last guy who got arrested before him died. So Peter's like, so he's like, think he's dreaming. And so they passed through the second set of guards. And they came to the iron gate leading to the city. And, this, and Luke says, man, and Luke says, he's a, Luke is a researcher, so he researches. He said, the gate opened by itself. And they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. <laughs> and then Peter like, oh, snap, this is not a dream. Because he said, Peter came to himself. Means like he realized what had happened. That's not dreaming. He says, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. It was right then and there that Peter realized that his prayer and the church's, the community's prayer of faith was realized. In verse 12, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. 
When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. I thought that was pretty interesting. You know, like you open the door like, wow, Peter's there. She shuts the door. It's like something out of a sitcom. And so she runs back and she tells all the rest of the church that's, that's praying back there in the disciples. And you know, they told her, you're out of your mind. Peter's in prison. They're praying for Peter to be free and Peter's out of prison. And when, they, when, when Rhoda tells them Peter's out of prison, they're like, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting. She's like, no, no, Peter's outside. Peter's outside. And they said, uh, it can't be him. It's got to be somebody. It's got to be his angels. And I think it's interesting to note that prayers of faith, as I mentioned before, is not the absence of doubt. See, these disciples they knew the situation, but they kept praying. They kept praying, Lord, you know, I don't know how you're going to do this, but man, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep praying. They're fervently, earnestly praying. They had the faith to keep praying, even though they had doubts. Kept on praying. Because faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Peter, meanwhile, outside is like, dude, man, the guards are going to wake up and find me or something, man. So he's like knocking on the door. Verse 16, Peter kept on knocking. And they finally came. They opened the door. They saw him. They were astonished. Because oftentimes when God showed up with the miracle that we were praying for, we oftentimes astonish. And Peter motioned with his hand for them to Shh, be quiet. And he described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, tell James. And the other brothers and sisters about this. And then Peter dipped. He left for another place. Well, what happened with the guards was in the morning, they all woke up and they're like, oh, Peter's gone. And there was no small commotion among the soldiers about what happened to Peter. Everybody's like, what happened, man? We were chained and then we were gone, you know. And Herod, Herod's like, obviously not happy. He made a thorough search for him, but did not find him because Peter was gone. And he crossed, examined those guards, and those poor guards were executed. But you know, I want to point out that all the ingredients of effective prayers were evidenced right there in that story. Faith, fervor, community. There's just one more ingredient, and it's the single most important ingredient because not only is it essential for effective prayers, you cannot have effective prayers without this particular ingredient. This ingredient is not only important for effective prayers, it's also essential for life and for life more abundantly. And it's also essential for another reason. It's the only permanently answered prayer. Because here's the reason. All prayers that are answered are temporary. If you pray for healing, one day you're going to die. One day you won't get that healing because it's appointed unto man once to die. If you pray for some relationship, one day you're going to die and that relationship is going to be gone because you're dead. If you pray for money or financial security, one day you're going to die. It's going to leave that. If you pray for favor, one day you are going to die. So there's only one prayer that God answers and keeps answering even after we die. 
And that is really the fourth ingredient of effective prayer. And that fourth ingredient is that effective prayers requires righteousness. And that's a problem because God tells us that none of us are righteous. As a matter of fact, he said not even one person outside of Jesus Christ, none righteous. He says all our righteousness, you know, people's like, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I'm like, just exactly how good do you have to be to get into heaven? Is it 50% good? Is it 60% good? Is it 70% good? Is it 80% good? How good do you have to be to be counted as righteousness to get into heaven? Fact is, if it's just even one sin, you don't qualify for heaven. But how then can be we be righteous? Like, what do we do with that? Well, enter Jesus. Because he who knew no sin took on our sin so that we could become, <laughs> we could have the actual righteousness of God. That we could have the actual right. Let me say that one more time because I don't, I don't think probably you're getting it. He who knew no sin took on our sin so that we could have a right standing and have the actual righteousness of God. And you will not have effective prayers until you have the actual righteousness of God. You will not have effective prayers without accepting the righteousness of God. And that is only available by putting your faith in Jesus and establishing a personal relationship with him. And so, I would be remiss if I didn't invite you to accept that righteousness today. And you can have that righteousness by saying this prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I want your righteousness. Lord, come into my life and take control and I commit to living for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you say that prayer, you actually, just that prayer, God always answers. 100% of the time, instantly, every single time, for all of eternity, you have the righteousness of God. You know, as I close out, I want to read about effective prayers. <laughs> and I want to read it from all the different versions of the Bible that I compiled. It says here, the effective, earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective and has great power and produces wonderful results as it is working. It makes great things happen. I want to invite you to <laughs> pray effective prayers. Make that a part of your routine. Make that a part. Start with 21 days and just continue because the effective fervent prayer, fervent prayer of a righteous man has much power and produces wonderful results. God bless you.
Have a wonderful Sunday. See you next time.